There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and Eurosport. Catherine Whitaker and myself come to you on Monday at the Australian Open, midway through the Rafael Nadal against Gael Monfils match, which is currently going on with Nadal 6-3 up. And we've got a new spot to record from today, haven't we, Catherine? Because we're in the, we're in the radio room, inside the press room. So we're keeping our voices down just a little bit, not to upset our colleagues, but we can kind of do what we like because everybody shouts and gets excited when a, a big point happens in this particular room, don't they? Yes, it's probably where we belong, isn't it, the radio room? Uh, it's a very interesting um, atmosphere in here, sort of, yeah, um, painful silence and then eruptions <laughs> of, of energy and excitement. It's, yeah, it's an interesting place. It, it, it sure is. And uh, at the moment, Nadal playing, playing pretty decently. Gael Monfils, I, I, I've come up with a, a pretty unkind kind of uh, comparison here to the, the football team Tottenham Hotspurs in the, in the UK. You remember when Alex Ferguson many years ago said uh, that, that, or apparently one of his team talks was, lads, it's Spurs. And that was basically his team talk. Go out and do what you do. And I get the sense that you could have said to Nadal before this match, Rafa, it's Gale. You know, you don't know what you're going to get from one minute to the next. Do what you do and you'll be just fine. I mean, what are we getting from one minute to the next from Gael Monfils? I so, so wanted him to mount a challenge in this to make it the most and he might. on paper it could be. And he might. And, and I've just seen him sort of limping a little bit there. I don't think it's anything particularly major. But I don't know whether he overthinks it. Why doesn't he just come out and hit the ball in the way that we know he can? Why, why is he employing all these sort of... Why does he feel he can't just be Gael Monfils in these big matches? That's what I don't understand, because Gael Monfils is a blooming good tennis player that, OK, he's perhaps not a 14-time Grand Slam champion, but he's a player that, on his day, will win some of these matches. But Gael Monfils trying to be someone other than Gael Monfils doesn't, doesn't work. He might be injured, of course. He's 6-3-3-1 down as we come to you now. Uh, maybe you'll have mounted the fight back by the time you hear this, but uh, it doesn't look like it from where we're standing. Now, when we came to you late last night, uh, we were just at the end of the Roger Federer victory over Kane Ishikori. Since then, in the hours that followed, Angelique Kerber has gone out at the hands of Coco Vanderwey. 
it did have a feeling of inevitability about it, Catherine. Such a weird atmosphere during that match on the Rod Laver Arena. Um, I, my colleague and I were actually handed a pair of tickets. We were out watching on the big screen, uh, which is where we recorded the podcast yesterday, the, towards the end of the Federer match. And uh, some people, as they were leaving, just handed us some their tickets. And we thought, yeah, let's you know, go and sit in the crowd and be a fan for a bit. And it was very enjoyable, but a very strange atmosphere. It wasn't the atmosphere of a world number one going out. You compare it to Andy Murray earlier I mean it wasn't that they didn't know and appreciate the significance of what was happening it was just it felt like put this woman out of her misery I I suspect that the predominant feeling for Kerber was relief and she knew it was inevitable at some point in the tournament I mean she's been there for the beating had she not had such a good draw it would have happened sooner I think it just took somebody to play really really well and Van der Wey was the one that seized the opportunity and she did play really, really well. But I have to say, for a world number one, she didn't take a whole lot of beating. And, and I think, yeah, there, there might be more than a, a dash of sweet relief for Angelique Kerber to, to be put out of the misery that she seemed to be feeling for much of this tournament. Well, back in 1991, the year after that Pete Sampras had won the US Open title for the first time, aged 19, he described losing at the US Open the following year to Jim Courier in the quarterfinals. He described that as like a monkey off my back. You know, he'd been carrying around a weight and finally it was relieved. So I suspect there might have been something similar there. My friend of mine who's leaving Melbourne this evening uh, to head back to London has just said that she's waiting in the uh, departure lounge for her Emirates flight home and one Mr Dan Evans has just had a call put out for him. (laughs) Oh dear, Dan. Go and get your flight. You've got to hurry up. (laughs) You can't let go of the Australian Open 2017. So... Typical. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, since then, obviously, Angelique Kerber has gone out. Things have continued to happen in the women's draw, pretty much though as we expected them to. Earlier on today, Johanna Conter, emphatic, pre- really okay. She went 4-1 down in the second set against Ekaterina Makarova. But even then, that was, that was Makarova's good play. It was, it was comfortable, really, for Conter. And very, very hard fought, I thought. Two sets, but hard fought for Serena Williams. She needed eight set points in the first set against uh, Barbara Stritzova, who was excellent today. Played as well as she could. And certainly in terms of form so far, I think Contras looked the better. We will preview that match properly tomorrow. But again, just a quick comment on uh, on Conta. In terms of pure tennis, Joe Conta's played the best of anybody this tournament. I think that's... Uh, I haven't heard that disputed anywhere really she looks she looks the part of a champion the the fact is you know as martina navratilova said uh, earlier it, it's, it's it cannot be an open draw when serena williams is in a draw you know everybody's talking about this open draw well <laughs> the arguable greatest of all time is in it so that it's just a shame for conta that she's got that quarterfinal matchup, Serena has to be the favourite just because she's Serena. Tennis, the quality of tennis, so often goes out the window when it's Serena Williams on a court. But she's got more than a chance. Does Joe Conta more than a chance?
Yeah, she was uh, very, very excited, I think, at the prospect of getting to play Serena because, you know, who knows how many more chances a player will get to play Serena. She's never played her before. And as I said, we'll preview that properly tomorrow. We'll hear from Martina Navratilova. Both Catherine and I did interviews with her today. You for Eurosport, myself for BBC Radio 5 Live. So we'll decide which one was the better and then we'll use that one. Uh, or maybe we'll combine them. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, that'll be tomorrow. Uh, Catherine's also been speaking to Michael Chang and to Goran Ivanisevic about Roger Federer. We'll play those for you a little bit later in the show. Um, Karolina Pliskova has gone through, knocking out uh, Daria Gavrilova and looking, frankly, very comfortable. She was awesome. It's funny that Daria Gavrilova doesn't get any less perky. That ponytail doesn't get any less bouncy, no matter how badly she's being thumped (laughs) by the opponent on the other end of the court. She's still bouncing around ponytail bobbing uh, but there uh, there was never a moment when Gavrilova had a chance in that match Pliskova yeah she she blitzes three matches like that now doesn't she it's, that's that's you know that's bread and butter for her yeah it is rather now one of the stories of the tournament one of the stories certainly of the day was the the victory today for Mirjana Lucic Baroni um, over Jennifer Brady and um, you know this is this is a woman who 19 years ago played this tournament as a 15-year-old and was a contemporary of Venus and Serena Williams and of uh, of Martina Hingis. She was in that group, and she was prodigious in talent. Um, she had terrible personal problems, really not not looked after by her, certainly by her dad, from what from all the reports that we read. Um, she had terrible financial difficulties. She was playing for years just sort of without any sort of um, ability to earn money at all really and, and get out on the tour so she, she missed basically a decade of her career and then came back and here she is 34 years of age in the quarterfinals and the singles I mean it's, it's quite upsetting to hear her talk about all that she went through but at the same time, time it is utterly uplifting to see her now and 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 how she's managed to overcome all those problems yeah she's one of the worst and most tragic examples of something that's all too common and that we don't sort of hear about enough really in in terms of i mean pushy parenting is one end of the spectrum and and what she experienced was an entirely more extreme end of the spectrum but the the fact as you say that she's come out the other side and and is where she is albeit with a, a kind draw in in Jennifer Brady for a place in the quarterfinals is incredible i do wonder how much guidance and wisdom she provides in the locker room to to all those other players that are, you know without naming any names we know how prevalent you know overbearing <laughs> parenting is uh, in in tennis probably in plenty of other sports as well but we can only really speak about tennis particularly I think in women's tennis so I do wonder if she's able to be some sort of really positive guiding light inspiration I suppose to those people because yeah she's she is an inspiration she really is an inspiration and uh, she goes through to the next round and it will be fascinating to see whether she can continue this extraordinary journey she's got Karolina Pliskova next there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So, Catherine, that's the uh, the women's side of the draw. We've talked about Nadal, who's now 6-3, 4-3, and in fact he's got a point for 5-3. Some vintage Nadal play, frankly, some some up-and-down play from Monfils. He did get one break back, but he's blown it again. Anyway, uh, the, the winner of this one will face Milos Raonic, who has had a pretty heavy cold, from what I understand, this week, um, and... I thought he was in real trouble today against Roberto Bautista. It was, he, he was 5-1 down in the first set tie-break. He managed to win it. He, won, he, he lost the second set pretty heavily, uh, losing his serve on two occasions. And then in the third set, he was breakpoint down three times in a game, which would have enabled Roberto Bautista to serve for the third set. First of all, I think we've got to say great nerve showed by Raonic in, in those situations not only to serve himself out of trouble but when he then set himself up with a chance he pulled the trigger on the forehand and he got through it I mean he got through it comfortably in the end in the fourth set but you know he, he doesn't look completely happy at the moment to me which you know he's the highest player left in the draw ranking wise so great opportunity for him but I don't, I'm not that convinced by him yet great opportunity probably t- possibly too big an opportunity for him being the highest seed left in uh draw i suppose yeah i mean we talk about draws opening up but it's sort of gone past that now at this australian open isn't it? everyone's just accepted that it it's not a question of one or two seeds going out and draws opening up in pockets it's just an unpredictable anything can happen tournament so uh, i think he might struggle if and when, probably when, he faces Nadal in the next round. I think Nadal is the favourite going into that one on the basis of what I've seen so far. Yeah, they, they played each other a couple of weeks ago in Brisbane and Nadal was the better player for the first set and a half. Then he had a, 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 a rough spell in the match 
Raonic took control. So we'll see. I mean, we we still don't know what's going to happen as and when Nadal's pressured and starts to feel it, whether that forehand's going to go. We saw it a bit in this Zverev match, and, you know, there are players in this draw that may bring those demons back. The other thing is he's flown so under the radar, Milos Raonic, considering he was a semi-finalist here last year and but for a hip injury could have been more. Um, the fact that he's the came in here as the third seed is now the top seed left in. You know, he's out on high sense today for for his fourth round match. He's not really been talked about a whole lot and suddenly with what's happened to others in the draw, he's going to find himself massively in the spotlight for the next match. Hugely hyped, hugely talked about um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that's dealt with because Nadal's got no issue de- dealing with that sort of thing, has he? He's been doing it for, for years. Yeah, that's right. We, we, while we've been talking, we, we've got obviously the Nadal Monfils match on the screen in front of us. We've also got another screen showing the press conference room, and we can't hear what he's saying. But Grigor Dimitrov has been in there. He he, he won in four sets today against Denis Istomin, lost the first set six two, which he did a couple of days ago. I can't remember who against. Uh, he lost a heavy first set. It was against a chunk um, of uh, of Korea. It was it was a great first set he played. But there was no panic from Dimitrov. And then he asserted his own game and, and won it, albeit Istomin was clearly injured at the, at the end of the second set. So Dimitrov's in form, but what was clear was he, he's happy again. He's happy playing tennis. He looked... It was great to see him smile in the interview room. We didn't hear what he was saying because there was no sound coming out of the speakers. But, you know, his body language is good. Yeah, you looked like a proud dad looking up at the uh, press conference. Uh, I'm not so feed. proud of my other son, Dan <laughs> Evans, at the moment, as he wanders around <laughs> Melbourne Airport, I, lost, no I, doubt. update on that front is that a last call has now gone out for a Mr Daniel Evans for the Emirates flight to Dubai in about 20 minutes' time. Will he make it? <laughs> Can you imagine the scenes happening at <laughs> Melbourne Airport right now? Can you imagine? Uh, what class do you think he's travelling in? I should have thought he'd be uh, be right at the front now. What with his big so? big check, I mean, you know, he's going to get halfway. I mean, he's the sort of character. He's probably an economy. <laughs> probably the the, the senior and thought, oh, he's the lad who couldn't afford any t-shirts. Let's stick him in business, shall we? <laughs> in his well, where were they from? Kmart t-shirts. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that's what Dan Evans is up to. Um, who are we talking about? We're talking about Dimitrov, Dimitrov. looking pretty good at the moment. He's going to play golf at next. He's, hap- he's happy. You know, we've talked about he he needs he needs a cuddle and a hug and a and a smile and a warm guiding hand, and that's what Danny Volvedu is providing. He's obviously just happier with life. Rumours, incidentally, that he and Scherzi are no more, so that could be that could be a factor as well. Those came from Jim Courier on Channel 7 commentary last night. I'm not just being a complete rumour monger. I, I consider that to be a relative, You're spreading his rumor. relatively solid source. He said it with authority. How would, so. you, how would he know? I don't know. Anyway. He moves in the right circles, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, he just looks relaxed and like he feels he's where he's meant to be and not an imposter but it is going to get interesting because talk about an opportunity for him he he should have his eyes on dare I say the final oh goodness me hold on a minute he'd have to beat either Nadal or Raonic if he got past Goffin and Goffin's playing well should have his eyes on the final well, he's he, have his eyes on the next point that's what they always say oh, yeah <laughs> in the wider context David okay I see don't you think, don't you think he should now his um, his ambition, if if he were to think about it, which I can understand why he wouldn't, because process and all that, 
he should be aiming for the final. I, I really do. I, th- I think he's playing... I don't know whether he's playing the best tennis of his career because he was really good when he won Queens, wasn't he, two and a half years ago and he reached the Wimbledon semis. He's playing that level, at least. Uh, you know, maybe better. Maybe he's a better player now. I think there's... I think he's got a good sense of balance now because I think back then he thought he'd cracked it and then he lost that Wimbledon semi to Djokovic and I think that really set him back and I think he was the same again after that, to be quite honest. Now, um, Goffin is the man he'll face. I haven't looked up the the whole head-to-head, but I remember them playing a match at the US Open. I think it was that year, actually, 2014, and Goffin caused him real problems for a set and a half. You know, the way he's able to take the ball so early and he sees the ball so clearly... I'm not sure there's anyone that David Goffin can't cause problems for. That doesn't mean he can beat anyone on any day, but he can cause problems for anyone. Um, Today's match against Dominic Team went exactly the way that I thought it would, and that is sad for me and for you. Why? I think because he, you just knew, you just knew as soon as he lost that second set. Team. Team. You just knew you. You know it, I know it. You've asked him, haven't you? I went in there. I went in the press conference. I was the only English-speaking journalist in the press conference. They'd moved it into small interview room too. Otherwise, they would have recorded the feed in the main interview room and we could have actually played the conversation he and I had. However, it was in the little room and I don't think we get access to that. So I'll tell you the gist of what went on. I asked him about the match, and, and I asked him how he was feeling physically. He said, I f- you know, I felt all right. You know, it was just a it was close match, but I felt okay. I, I, I question that. I must admit, I question whether he did feel okay, really. And I, and I, I asked him, do you feel that given uh, the amount that you play, that you might need to start changing things a little bit? You know, to, to you were injured at the US Open. You know, you, you've... You've lost this one here. Is it time to to change the way you do things? He said, "Well, I've already changed the way I do things because I don't play doubles anymore." So that's that was one thing he said. But he, but it was quite interesting when he, when when pushed on it, he 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 did say, "I I feel that if I if I'm able to play a lot." That I, that it benefits me. He does seem to feel that he's hardening his constitution so that he can handle it. Now maybe he might feel like that. Doesn't mean he's right, but he. But what, what? There is a possibility that down the track, Catherine, he may end up getting the dividends from this investment. There is that chance. Maybe, but that's been quite complacent. He's assuming that these chances or chances. I've, I've gone Brummy again. The, the chances, Brilliant. The chances. Of that was a highlight of the show yesterday. You're you doing a Brummy accent? I mean, come on can't help myself now uh, that those chances will, will keep coming you know you can't take that for granted fourth rounds of grand slams are a huge deal for him yeah I know he's been to a semi-final at, at the French Open and I believe he quoted that to you as evidence of, of playing a lot playing dividends yeah he said I, I won the tournament the week before was it Nice I won the tournament the week before um, the French Open and then I had my best ever Grand Slam reaching the semi-finals he also said I've had my best ever Australian Open here so he was trying to give that evidence my my response to better. that he my, could do better my response to him would be no other player does that 
No other top player. No other top that. player is what I mean, yeah. It's an, and it's not a coincidence. He's not the exception. He's good, but he's not that good that he's so much physically superior to Federer and Nadal and Murray that he can do something that they can't physically. I did feel a bit mean, though. He's so nice. <laughs> and, oh, he's, he's great and he's a joy to watch. He's lovely and he's, there's something so earnest about him, the way he answers questions he's just very very earnest there's a bit of sort of Kyle Ed- similarities with Kyle Edmund I think in that way he takes everything sort of very much at face value um, but yeah he's just frustrating isn't he it's yeah you you would have uh, well you spent a bit of time with both of those two at the tiebreak tens events that they both won and and uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that he doesn't dodge the question. No. He looked me in the eye, and he was—he was happy. He didn't get annoyed that I'm asking about it. He just took it, and he, he answered it, and he said what he thought. So, yeah, he's a very, very straightforward individual. I, I'm going to make it, seeing as you've fulfilled your end of the bargain with uh, tackling old Dominic on on uh, our perceived. Um, bad decision making with regard to his schedule maybe I'll, I, I've been meaning to perhaps ask Boris Becker in the Eurosport green room at some stage who of course worked with Gunter Bresnik uh, latterly in his career what he thinks Gunter's playing at because as, I mean that, that's where <laughs> that's where ultimately the fault lies if there is fault because he's just a 23 year old that's never done this before he might feel like he just wants to play tennis and it's up to the more experienced guiding hand to say, hang on a second, Dominic. Hold your horses. So that's today. <laughs> that's what went on today. Catherine Whittaker here. And uh, Germain Fee's currently two sets to love down now against uh, Rafael Nadal. And I don't know whether the comeback's going to come. Tomorrow, Catherine, we have the returning Roger Federer. He gets another night match. That's four night matches in five outings on the Rod Laver Arena. I understand why. Thomas Burdick against Federer, Nishikori against Federer, they're, not, they're night matches, right? He, he's, he is the draw card of all draw cards. But is that, is that fair? You're assuming that the night match is the preference? You're it's, it's his preference. It's got to be. Is no, it every he, player's preference? I don't, I don't know, but I mean... Why should he always be getting the conditions that he likes for his match? And because he's brilliant in night matches, absolutely brilliant. The final is going to be a night match. The semi-final is going to be a night match. So he could well come up against players that have absolutely no experience of, of playing those situations at all. I'm not, saying this this, I'm not saying there's not an element of unfairness. However, we all know that it is court choices are not a democracy. So... It's it's completely undemocratic decision making, and there's lots of factors that go into it. Television play, players do have a say. The, the greater the ranking but of so the players, you say the, the fairness is doesn't the, come into they, it. But the ATP do have certain rules about that. I mean, not, they don't have jurisdiction here, of course, but there is an impact. I, I've seen seen it myself. You know, they will try to to consider rest and all that sort of thing. I mean, you know, Pete Sampras when he won his final Grand Slam tournament at the US Open he played I think he played every single match night session Arthur Ashe Stadium and it, so there, there, there are parallels oh goodness me there are absolutely there are and, and it really helped him I mean you know ultimately I still come down on the side of the argument of how can you how can you 
decry him that? How can you sort of say he shouldn't have that? Because it's hard, you know, we all love the bloke and um, it's a great story and all that sort of thing. But, you know, if, if I was not such a cosy other tennis player, because everybody's so cosy, aren't they? They're all so, they all love Roger themselves. I mean, you know, every player in this draw, if they get beaten by Roger, they hope he goes and wins the title, don't, don't they? Most of them. But, you know, if I wasn't like that, if I, if I was Jimmy Connors or John McEnroe, I'd be in, or Ivan Lendl, I'd be in that order of play scheduling room having it out. Well, you, do you think Magnus Norman is in the order of play scheduling room? No, because he's so nice, isn't he? Oh, I love, everybody loves Magnus and everybody loves Stan, and they're all, they'll all be really nice well, about I, it. I mean, it's Stan and, Stan and Songer are the ones that could have got the night session. And Songer's lovely, isn't he? I mean, you know, come on, lads. <laughs> yeah, everyone's nice. So all other things being equal, give it to Federer. All right, fine. Anyway, we wanted to know how Federer's looking from the perspective of the two coaches that have been coaching players that have played him this week. Very well-known ones, Goran Ivanisevic and Michael Chang. Catherine's been speaking to them for Eurosport, and Catherine asked Goran, first of all, whether it was a surprise that Federer, six months out from the game, is playing this sort of tennis. No, I, I'm never surprised when Roger is, uh, when you mention his name, He's here because he's ready. He's here because he knows that he still has something to win a Grand Slam. He knows that he's here because he can compete with these guys. This course suits him well. And uh, he's going to be around, I think, for another year or two because he can still compete in the highest level and he can still beat on certain night and everybody in the tennis. So and it's enjoyable to watch him. This one, his next opponent, Misha Zverev. I'm guessing, as a serve volleyer yourself, you're a bit of a fan of his. Yes, and uh, the, what Misha produced last yesterday, it's a great. You know, it's a great for tennis. It's a huge surprise. But uh, the way he was playing, the way he was, uh, you know, moving around the net, it's great. I don't think he can make two matches in a row. But uh, and it's going to be a different match against Roger. But still, it's it's uh, this Australian Open happens for the reason happens for the tennis this is to give other guys some chance try to win a grand slam that's why i think the winner of this grand slam is going to be a guy who never won a grand slam before name name of that guy i, I don't know the name but there are five of them raunic dimitrov tsonga timo gofan or monfis we see one of these come on one name goran one name <laughs> one name i give you two names raunic or dimitrov we'll take that goran thank you You're welcome so that was one super coach, Goran Ivanisevic. Here's another super coach, Michael Chang. Michael, I spoke to Goran a few minutes ago, and you and he have had the misfortune this tournament of coaching against a certain Mr. Roger Federer. Talk to me about the tennis that you saw him play against, against Kay last night. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, Kay started great. Um, you know, he's up 4 love, 5 1, uh, and, you know, fortunately just didn't keep it going. Um, and Rogers. You know, such a great champion. Um, you know, he finds a, finds a way to get back into the match. You know, from there, he, his rhythm, uh, started going for shots. Start, everything started to, to fall in for him. And uh, all of a sudden, it's a different ball game from there. So, um, you know, even though he hasn't played a whole lot uh, over these past six months, he knows how to win. You know, there's no question about that. He'll never, he'll never forget that. And, um, you know, it's uh, obviously great to be able to have him back out on tour. Um, it's nice to be able to uh, to see him out here playing playing well and and getting as, as excited as he as he is for, for winning a match like that. Uh, it's unfortunate for Kay. Uh, it's a, it's a 
it's a costly lesson for him to learn last night, but uh, but I hope it's uh, it's a lesson that uh, you know he'll learn and uh, he'll take with him you know going forward from here. On the evidence of last night, do you think Federer could win this tournament? I mean, I think that's it's always a possibility. You've got a lot of great uh, players left. Obviously, you know, without Novak and, and Andy in the draw, the draw opens up for everybody. Um, I think I don't think he's looking too far ahead. Um, you can't at this point. You know, Stan's still in there. Uh, you know, Rafa's always tough. Um, Milos is serving well. Grigor's been playing well. Um, you know, winning in Brisbane. Then you've got Songa. You've got Monfils. I mean, you've got Team Gofan. I mean, they're all great players. So uh, you know, everyone's hungry to, uh, to 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 capitalize on this opportunity that they know they don't have to play play Novak and, and Murray, two guys that have done so well over the past you know year, year and a half. So um, you know, everyone's going to be fired up, and uh, and it'll be interesting and fun to see how the the second week unfolds. Just to pick up on a couple of names that you mentioned there, obviously there's a real mixture of sort of the stalwarts that have won Grand Slam titles before and these new names. Is somebody like Stan Wawrinka, does he now emerge as a favourite for the title here? I don't even know if there's a, a clear-cut favourite anymore. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, you come into, you know, the Australian Open, you know, who are the favourites? It's Murray, it's it's Djokovic, you know. Um, I, I think you, you kind of leave it at that, you know, because those guys have been so dominant. Um you know, from here on out, I mean, you know, all those guys have beaten all. They've they've beaten each other. So, you know, it it kind of really depends on how these next matches go. Uh, you know, I think Roger's going to be, um, you know, excited about playing. You know, uh, Zverev instead of Murray, and then having two days off uh, coming into the semifinal is going to be crucial, I think, for him uh, from a physical standpoint. So, um, you know, a lot of factors to uh, to include and uh, certainly to think about. Well, certainly an exciting tournament, Michael. Great to get your thoughts. Thanks. Well, first of all, Catherine, we, we cut out the answer from Goran when he was clearly irritated by the fact that you'd uh, reminded him how he said he wasn't playing that well for the first couple of rounds. <laughs> then he went and duffed up his uh, his own player in the third round. Yeah, he tried to cover up, didn't he? He tried to say, no, I said that, you know, he's Roger Federer and he could produce magic. I didn't remind him of his, his exact line, which was, I'm not impressed by Roger. <laughs> um, that That could be one of those things that gets quoted back to him by me forevermore if Federer goes on to win the title here um, but yeah I mean talk about cosiness I mean he went on to say oh but it's fantastic I really, really want him to go on and win and yes it was painful but it was great to see Roger playing that brilliantly and I'm glad he backed it up against Nishikori um, I think he was very, very surprised looking at how he reacted in that player box. I think Michael Chang was surprised. I think Michael Chang thought that when it went to five, Roger Federer wouldn't have it in him to do it in five. I think he's surprising everybody, even people like Goran and Michael. I think he's even surprising himself a little bit, you know. A little bit. Deep, deep down, are you really, are you secretly thinking, <laughs> I'm the best of all time. I, there's a bit There's a bit of that in there. I mean, I, I, you know, he, he can get away with thinking that because he kind of probably is. But, 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 I mean, you know, in the front of his sort of mind, of, of his logical mind, this can't keep going. I think he's probably thinking, really? Is he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, I think he, that's certainly what he's saying. He's saying, I don't think I can string this together. I don't agree with him. Is he saying that? Yeah. He said, I don't think I can win the tournament. I no, don't no think I he did say, after he had that amazing performance against Burdick, I don't think that I can do this day after day at the moment, is pretty much what he said. 
So there we are. Well, who's he up against tomorrow? I can't even remember that. Oh, Mrs. Varev. Mrs. Varev, yeah. I think you'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think, think you'll probably be fine. Exactly those words prior to Andy Murray's match with Misha Zverev. Yeah, we did say that, yeah. And, and, and if Federer wins that one, who's he got then? I can't well, remember. Vavrenka or Songa. Oh, yeah. See, I, I, I think Federer's in the final. I do. I do. I, I mean, talking to most people, um, a couple of people said, look, Stan Vavrenka is the guy who's, who's won recent Grand Slam titles. He's playing really well, which he is. He's... And he's the bookie's favourite now, actually, for the title. Five to two. Five to two he is. I think that's far too short, personally. But I find that very he interesting. Is the, he is the US Open champion. Sorry, no, no, after, after last night, Federer, I thought you were talking about Federer. Federer no, I'm talking about Federer Vavrinka. became the favourite, five to no, two. No, 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 Vavrinka's the favourite for the title. Well, I checked it last night. It, Vavrinka was prior to the Nishikori match, and I checked it last night. Um... I can't check it because the, the, the bookies are blocked for all the media here. We're not allowed to bet, which is good. Well, they're not. Well, I must We're not even allowed to check. It was my brother that checked because um, he just needs to know all, somebody fed, all Federer related facts. No, somebody checked time. today, and, and Vavrinka's the favourite, I promise you, because we looked about oh, four hours ago, something like that. You can't check, Catherine, because I've we're in the a, media. I've room. got a photo on my phone, David. Have you really? Anyway, um, I, I would say that if Federer comes up against Vavrinka, that he beats Vavrinka because I think it's a really tough match for Stan in many ways and I think he'd take his time away and beat him. So anyway, that that's what I think. Well, Catherine's produced some some odds that I don't believe. Um, but anyway. I don't, I don't agree with them, but there's the evidence. Okay, fine. Well, I'm not going to plug that bookmaker. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you, you, what do you think? Do you think he's going to go to the final? Yeah, I do. So do I. Anyway. So, okay, if you're predicting that confidently he's going to get to the final, surely he'd be the favourite in the final. That means, doesn't that sort of mean you're predicting Roger Federer is going to win this? How do you be the favourite against Rafael Nadal, who's got a massively winning record? You think we're looking at a Federer-Nadal final here? How do I know? Well, you volunteered that prediction, David. I'm just following it through to its logical conclusion. I did say Nadal would reach the final the other day, didn't I? So you think Nadal is beating Federer in the final here? Probably, yeah. Well, I, do, I do think Dimitrov's got a chance of beating Nadal, though. I do, too. I think it might be a Federer-Dimitrov final. Imagine that. Fed versus baby Fed. <laughs> anyway, that's, <laughs> that's for a few days' time. I think we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Safe to say, Catherine, back by popular demand, pole vault. I asked, which was the bigger shock? Back by Zverev, demand. Zverev over Murray or Istamin over Djokovic. What do you think? Stop looking at the screen. What do you think? Istamin over Djokovic. Because by that because that set the tone, didn't it? By Murray's Zverev, yes, it was as a self-contained match on paper the bigger shock, but it, it suddenly was starting to look at the tournament as one where shocks and, and strange things were happening by that point. So Djokovic, the Djokovic shock exit set the tone for a strange, weird and wonderful tournament. I would agree. I, I, I would call the Djokovic shock the bigger one because it was so unlikely that I didn't even know he was playing tennis histamine, to be quite honest. <laughs> I genuinely didn't, until histamine walked out to the court. I was like, oh, I haven't seen him for ages. <laughs> I haven't seen him for ages because he was faffing around on the future circuit or something. Anyway, we had 
listen, this is how popular poll vault is, right? There's three hours to go left in this vote. Stop looking at me like that. 1,173 people have taken part in this poll vault. 48% say that Zverev over Murray is the bigger shock. 52% say Istamin over Djokovic. Why are you not looking interested? Twitter bots, David. I'm sure it's mostly Twitter bots. Okay, well, it isn't. It's real people, and they're really engaged, and they're really excited, because poll vault is back. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and Eurosport, who have exclusive TV rights over the course of the Australian Open and the French Open and the US Open as well. Don't forget that offer, £19.99 in the UK for the Eurosport player that gets you access for a year to all of those. Uh, BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra will be bringing you coverage as well tomorrow, every day of the tournament. There's so much to enjoy. You can read Simon Briggs's articles, of course, in The Telegraph. And Catherine, we will be back for another podcast tomorrow, won't we? As long as you don't annoy me. <laughs> Likewise, David. What a nice way to sign off. <laughs> Indeed. What's what you say? I, I wonder what that... Hold on a minute. Is Dan Evans getting on? Has he got that fight yet? Uh, no further update. No further update. Fingers crossed forever. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.